I'm going to pray another prayer uh, just as we open up God's Word. And uh, if you've read Ephesians this week, you'll recognize this prayer. And this is, this is where it's, it's from, Ephesians. And so I pray, glorious Father, may you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know the Lord Jesus Christ better. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which Jesus has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, as I was trying to prepare for today, I really felt it was a struggle um, due to health issues and whatnot this week. Um, it's been a struggle just to get to this place today. But here we are. Here, sore throat is gone. Still left with some the bits and bobs of things after that. And I, I just kind of thought, as we start off today, I needed to do a reflection on last week. Um, I spent a bit of time on Monday praying about uh, what I'd said last week. Um, if you'd been here last week, you know that I kind of like took off and went in a totally different direction from my notes. I didn't cover uh, uh, a lot of things that were in my notes. Um, and so just whatever you think about the message last week, whatever you have taken from that, I pray that um, in every respect that really what you do is that you hear what the Holy Spirit wanted to say to you last week. Because as I reflected on last week, I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to provoke this congregation. The Holy Spirit wanted to bring some kind of provocation, like a spark, like something uh, to make us really think and to challenge us. And I think for the area, just to add some clarity to last week, where God wants to challenge us is not so much in our practice and the things that we do, but where he wants to challenge us is at the area of the heart, which is why I wrote down that we know after you spoke, Stephen, because what happens at the level of the heart is what will dictate everything else that happens in our lives. If our hearts are moved and changed by something, it will change the way we think and it will change our actions and what we do. It happens at the level of the heart. Priscilla and Aquila were tasked with birthing this church in Ephesians. They, they were there at the start after Paul went away, left them there, and so they were involved in leadership in this church. Paul himself came back to this church in Ephesus and began to lead there, and he led for almost three years. Timothy, we know as well, was responsible for leading in this church. But one of the things that I never got to last week, and uh, I think it's quite important, and I want us to really spend a little moment or two thinking about this this morning, is that Jesus was concerned about this church as well. Jesus is concerned about his church, it's his this church is part of the universal church across the world, throughout time, throughout generations. We are part of something that is bigger than we can ever imagine. And Jesus himself spoke to the church at Ephesus through the apostle John, while John was in the Isle of Patmos. And this is what Jesus says to the church at Ephesus many, many years later after it had been birthed after they had been doing so many things. And this is what Jesus says to the church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. 
I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That's a commendation, isn't it? If God was saying that about me, I would be quite encouraged. I'd think, brilliant. Been doing not too bad so far. Maybe I'll go and have a wee cup of tea and a wee relax and a wee sit down because I've been doing okay. But you see, the problem is that this church and all of these good things began to lose something that was really, really important. And this is what Jesus went on to say. You read about this in Revelation chapter 2. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You've forsaken your first love. And it's so easy to fall into this trap. If you're a married person in this congregation today, you'll know what I'm talking about, right? That moment, that defining moment in your life when you see your other half to be and your heart does all these funny things and the fairies start burling round about your head. You know that moment, right? Bobby, you never had that moment. I can clearly see that, okay? <laughs> you didn't have that moment when you met Anne, Okay? Shame on you. <laughs> that moment when you see your other half for the first time and you go, wow. And all you want to do is spend time with that person. All you want to do is talk about that person. When you go to your work or your college or your school, wherever you are, you, don't, you just want to talk about that person. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Have you experienced that? Oh, just checking to see if there's anybody there, okay? And you're in love. And then the, the big day comes and, you know, you, you, you say these vows until death do us part and, and sickness and in health. And you're like, man, I wish I knew what that meant way back then. Eh? <laughs> and sickness and health? Oh my goodness, this is hard work. And relationships develop and you have to work at that relationship. And in that relationship, there comes times where actually you, you wonder if you're in a relationship at all, where there's conflict, where there's tension, where there are things going on, and you think, did I really make the right decision? I'm not asking that question, by the way, just to <laughs> clarify, okay? I'm just, just clarifying. But there comes times in your life where you think, what's this all about? And sadly, sadly, couples can grow apart. Partly because we become so familiar with each other. Partly because we actually want to pursue our own ideas. We want to pursue our own things. And couples can drift apart until they get to a point where it's so difficult to come back together. Jesus talks about the church and uses this analogy that the church that the family unit is like the church, that, that Jesus is the, is, is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. He uses this analogy. And I wonder sometimes if we get to that place in our relationship with God as a church, 
where we have become so familiar, we've lived together all these years, we know the things that we need to do, the tasks that we need to go on with, the things that we need to do day by day by day by day by day, but somewhere in amongst it all, we lose something in our heart. And something is missing from the relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying to this church in Ephesus. You've lost that first love. You've lost your spark that you used to have. You've lost that relationship with me. You see, it's so easy to become focused on the work of church. If you stop to think about what this church actually does over the course of a week, youth, kids, food bank, answer, all the different things that we do, connect groups. Sorry if I miss something, that's the problem with starting lists. I try to avoid it because I'm, ask anybody, I'm rubbish with lists, okay? So if I miss something out, it's not because I don't like it, I don't think about it, I don't pray about it, it's because I'm rubbish with lists. But we can become so familiar with doing the work of God that we forget to love God and to worship God. We are here primarily to worship God and to give glory to God. But you see, sometimes it's easier to do the work of God. Sometimes it's easier to go and serve in the food bank or to do something at kids' ministry or to do something in youth or to do something in another outreach, to volunteer here, there, or everywhere. Because we can take something that's actually a physical task and do it and at the end, we look back and we go, hey, we did that. Pat on the back. That was really good. I was serving God there. Maybe that's another wee star on my crown. And it's easy to measure things like that, isn't it? Do you know, nothing gives me greater pleasure than doing practical tasks. When you get to the end and you go, that was broken and now it works. A sense of satisfaction. You know how I like to put stripes on my grass. When you've done the grass and the stripes up and down and you look out the window at the end of the night, you go, I did that. That looks really cool. I have a sense of achievement. That stuff's really easy. And so it's easy to become focused on the work. But relationships are different. Relationships take time. They take energy. They take effort. They take commitment. And this is where this church had to come back to, to come back to that first love. And oh my goodness, can't believe the time. So I'm going to read uh, one passage from Ephesians. I had three that I was going to read, but I'm only going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through to 14, just for the sake of time. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 14, and it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. One is a capital O, talking about Jesus. 
In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and in earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And today I want to focus just for a little while, a short while on these verses. You see, in these few verses, we see that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But there's more to it than that. Because in this passage, we see that we have been foreordained by the Father. In fact, give me this, go to the next slide. I think it's on this slide. In here, we see the work of God the Father, foreordained. God has already planned something. God has already, in time past, chosen you. In fact, in time past, isn't isn't actually, actually accurate. I'll come back to that in a second. In this passage, we see that in the Son, we have been forgiven. In other words, we have been cleansed, we've been made who God wants us to be. And when God looks at us, he sees us through Jesus. And lastly, through the Spirit, we have been filled. And in the Spirit, we are characterized as the children of God. When people look at you and I, they see our character, don't they? When I look at you, I have this idea of who you are based on your character. You look at me, and you have an idea of who I am based on my character. But something happens when we meet Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. We are now characterized by something else. In fact, by someone else. Apparently, the Wi-Fi code for the shop, the coffee shop just down for the Halifax in Livingston is Galatians 5 and 22. Did you know that? That's the, that's the Wi-Fi code. Galatians 6.22 talks about 5.22, sorry. Did I say 6.22 the first time? <laughs> Say Okay, I got it right the first time. Galatians 5.22, which is the Fruit of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes in, we are characterized by His qualities and attributes. You see, in, verses, in verse 3 it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We're blessed in the spiritual realms, but that comes down into this physical realm as well. 
foreordained according to verses 4 and 5. Part of the plan of God. And you have been chosen for a purpose. You, if you are in Christ, have been chosen for a purpose. And his purpose for your life is far more important than every other purpose. I was going to say, from the beginning of time, God had a plan and a purpose for you. Listen to this, Ephesians 2.10, just jumping on about it. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God foreordained that you would become a Christian. God foreordained things which he wanted you to do. Now, we don't get obsessed by the work and forget about the person we're working for. But nevertheless, God has things that he wants us to walk in, good works which he has prepared for us, not since the beginning of time. It says before the creation of the world. Before God created the world. So therefore, time began at the creation of the world, didn't it? Time couldn't have existed before that, could it have? Time time didn't exist before God said, let there be light. So, it must have been somewhere before time began, we sing that in our songs, you were the one before time began. So somewhere before that, God saw you and God saw me and God saw the things that he wanted you to walk in. Good works. Eternity. Before time, that must have been in eternity. And I'm pointing that way, but actually that doesn't mean anything. Because eternity doesn't go that way for, for infinity. And it doesn't go this way for infinity. Eternity just is. And we exist as this little microscope thing in time. And God saw you. He saw me. He chose you. He chose me. He had things that he wanted us to do before time even began, in eternity, God saw you. We read in verses 7 through to 12, and I'm going to read just verse 7. In him, that is Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. There's a slide somewhere in my presentation, but I'm not going to find it, where I've quoted Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it says that it's by grace we have been saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. It's through his grace we have been saved. God in eternity saw as he saw today, he saw this moment, and through his grace, made a way possible for you to come in to a relationship with him. 
that's incredible. We have redemption through the shed blood of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we've been bought back. Sin has a price. It always has a price. There is always a cost. And even forgiven sin sometimes still has consequences for us. Jesus has bought us back through the shedding of his blood. The just requirements of the law has been met through the riches of God's grace. And we, how, how do we, we begin to imagine the riches of his grace? I think it's easy to get a low view of our own sinfulness and think, actually, we're not that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. I'm pointing outside the building, okay? Just, <laughs> I'm not as bad as that guy. I don't do the things that he does. I don't think the things that he thinks. I don't say the things that he says because if I said the things that he said, I'd get into trouble. I'm not as bad as that guy. So my sin ain't that bad. Wrong. Sin is sin. And it cost God everything to deal with that sin. It cost him a moment where God the Son was on that cross and said in a loud voice, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? It cost him everything. And sometimes we can take the grace of God for granted. We read in this passage as well about the mystery of his will. We thought about that a wee bit last week. It also talks about being included in Christ. Imagine that, being included in Christ. And then verses 13 to 14. By the way, did you know that verses 13 to 14 in the original language, the Greek, is one long sentence. Did you know that? In fact, it is probably the longest sentence in the Bible. In fact, it is probably the longest sentence of continuous thought ever. It's incredible. And in this sentence, in this one sentence, the Apostle Paul is pouring out to these people how they have been blessed in Christ, included and then, lastly, in this short passage, being filled with the Holy Spirit, characterized by the Holy Spirit, characterized by God himself. Having believed, Ephesians 1.13 says, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. There came a moment where the Holy Spirit came into your life, came into your life, came into my life. there comes a moment where we allow Jesus in, where we open the door and allow him into our lives. And one of the phrases that stands out in this passage is, in Christ. The whole idea of how we are blessed in Christ. Everything that we have has been accomplished in Christ, through Christ, for Christ. Here are a few verses for those who take notes Hopefully it came up on the screen there. So take notes, take a picture, or go to a connect group because you'll find it there as well, okay? 
And it says in Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him, Christ, before they destined us to be adopted as his and blameless in sight, we've been chosen in him. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus, in accordance with the pleasure of his will. In him, that is Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In Christ, we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. In the heavenly realm, sorry. Going on in this list. God who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Ephesians 2, 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him, that is Christ, in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, us, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. One more. I just love these verses. They're so wonderful. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Incredible. When you think about what God has done for us in Christ, this passage shows us those things. And all of our spiritual life and blessings are in Christ and through Christ and indeed for Christ. And these blessings were in view in God's eyes from before the laying down of the foundation of the universe. Time began at creation. Therefore, God had you in mind from the viewpoint of eternity. Think about that. Think about that for a second. And so when on this life and earth, the body fails, that's not the end of the story. We read 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus was raised from the dead. 
On the third day, he rose. Jesus spent time with his disciples, teaching them, eating with them, having probably all these incredible conversations. And then he was raised back up into heaven, ascended into heaven. And we have all these blessings through Christ. And we know that even for us in our physical body, it's not the end. And we also know with certainty that we're in good company in Christ. Think about this. The apostle Peter, the one to whom Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. He was, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, one of the leaders throughout the, that church. And he has the same privileges as you and I. Being found in Christ having a righteousness that's not from himself and all his good works that we read about because he wrote a couple of books and they're pretty good. But a righteousness that's based on Christ Jesus is in Christ who wrote the words that we're reading today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is in Christ. We read from our in Christ. John, the beloved disciple who we read from earlier on is also in Christ. The same privileges that these church leaders had are the same privileges, or have, should I say, are the same privileges that we enjoy. You know, I think sometimes about the people who have went before me, church leaders down through the generations. And you know, I actually remember just a few weeks ago, and I was out, uh, I was out for a cycle. I found myself up on the moors, away up past uh, Fault House and they went up to Forth. And up there, there's a monument, uh, to, it's a Covenanters monument uh, called Dermid. And uh, there's some names written on that monument. Richard Cameron, for one. James Rennick, there's another one which is just without my head. And you know, as I think back about those who have went before me, I remember just sitting at the foot of that monument just for a wee minute thinking, my goodness, what these men paid in order for us to have freedom today. Freedom of religion, freedom of expression. And I felt very, very humbled that here I am in the same company as church leaders who've led the church at the start throughout the centuries, people who have stood the test of time, whose faith has been tried. And I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? Am I even worthy to tie their shoelaces? Never mind the Lord's shoelaces. Am I worthy? And here's the thing. That Jesus makes us worthy. He makes us worthy. And only He can make us worthy. It's not about our good works. It's not about the things that we like to get caught up in, the things where we can go tick, 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 tick. Done my to-do list today. Isn't that really cool? I wish I could get through my to-do list. I've done a good job today. But it's about a relationship with him because Jesus has made us worthy. And I, as, as I was preparing today, um, I came back to a picture I took years and years ago Josh, when he's a wee tiddly guy, and uh, 
We were down at um, Worcester Cathedral, in fact, and uh, I just saw this door and I thought, what an incredible door, it's so amazing. I was like, Josh, go and look through the keyhole for a wee second for me so I can get a picture, you know. And why am I showing you this picture today? I'll tell you why I'm showing you this picture today. Because for some of us today, this is what I feel it's like. All the things that I'm talking about to you, you think, that's really good, but I'm on the other side of this, and I'm looking through the keyhole to try and get an idea of what you're talking about. And my eye's getting sore. <laughs> we all want to know what's on the other side of that door, the door of God's blessing, don't we? And yet, Jesus has opened the door for us. He is the one who is the key to that door. Let me show you a different picture. I don't know how well you can see that. And I think some people are on the wrong side of the door today because you're hearing what I'm saying and you're saying, that's all good and well, but I've not actually moved through to the other side yet. I'm still on the wrong side of the door. And here's the thing, Jesus came to bring us from the wrong side of the door, from darkness into light. From no relationship with God into having all the blessings of God. And I just can imagine it like, like this room that's on the other side and it's filled with treasure. Who would like to discover a room full of treasure? I would, like, I would really like to discover a room full of treasure. Yeah? Because maybe that would come in handy in uh, building a new church <laughs> or employing some staff which should be even handier at this point in time. The door through into God's blessing has been opened for us through Jesus. You see, I think Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key. What Jesus has done for us is the key. All those blessings which are on the other side of the door these things which we enjoy as Christians are there because Jesus has opened the way for us. And all of that lovely stuff that's on the other side, we can enter into fully, grasp hold of by faith. We can. We can grasp hold of it. But here's the thing. It takes a step of faith for us. Jesus is the key, and the key's in the lock. But you've got to turn the key in order to unlock the door. And that turn of the key is us exercising our faith. We recognize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We recognize that no one comes to the Father except through him. We recognize that we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And yet, even still, Jesus has made a way possible for us to go through and enter into God's blessings. And I encourage us this morning to think about that step of faith. Think about that step of faith. And think about stepping through that door.
into all of God's blessings. I really felt strongly today that there are people who feel they're on the wrong side of the door. And maybe it's not making sense to you yet. And the challenge is, have you really put your trust in Jesus? Have you really put your trust in Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus with everything? Your physical life, your emotional life, your mental life, your financial life, your work life, your school life, your uni life, your family life. Have you trusted Jesus with everything? Do you trust him with everything that is within you? And if you've not done that, then today is an opportunity to do that. I'm going to invite the musicians back up to the platform. Uh, if you could, please. We're going to take communion uh, in just a wee second as well. But I want to just pray uh, just as we draw this part of the service to a close. And so I ask that you just bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would, please. Father, we just come before you this morning and Father, we recognize that every blessing that we have, all the things that we can possess in Christ have been made available through his shedding of his blood on the cross, through his surrendering his will and his life to yours. And Father, we read that it's your incredible power that raised him from the dead. Father, even Jesus said of himself, that no one takes his life. He has the power to lay it down and he has the power to take it up because he was, in fact, God himself. That the Holy Spirit was in Jesus without measure. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning, the author and perfecter of our faith. And just if there's anyone in here this morning and you may feel that you're on the wrong side of the door today, you know, you might feel, I, I, don't, I don't really know if I've made a decision to follow Jesus or not. And there's that doubt within your heart. Then today is the day to sort that out. Today is the day to activate faith, to activate faith in response to what you've heard today and to just allow Jesus to open that door for you and to step into the blessings which he has for you. The incomparable riches of his grace. There's nothing that you can compare the riches of God's grace to. Not all the wealth in the world, nothing you can compare it to. And in Him we are rich, spiritually, in all sorts of ways. And so if that's you this morning, I just ask that you pop a hand up, can I pray for you? And hopefully get a wee chat with you at the end of the service. So if that's you today, then just pop your hand up. Doesn't need to be up for long. Okay. Father, we pray your blessing on this congregation. Father, we pray uh, over the things which you have spoken into our hearts today. Father, help us to realize how incredibly blessed we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our friend, the head of our church to which you have called us to be a part. And Father, we just pray that you'd have your way amongst us. And Father, we pray as we take bread and wine, which remind us of the 
broken body, the shed blood of Jesus. Father, we ask that you would just come and minister to us in this moment, that you'd speak to us.